Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. So Jude, verse 1, if you can turn there with me, please. It's so awesome on Sunday morning, a few of you know this already, but someone came up for prayer after the service, and he recommitted his life to Jesus Christ. And he was away from Jesus for seven years. And he came here and he said this was the very first time he's been at church in seven years. And he came down forward, prayed with one of the pastors here and recommitted his life to the Lord. He was crying and weeping and and, uh, the Lord drew him back into a relationship. I don't know what drew him away. It's between him and the Lord. But the Lord drew him back. In Jude here, we're going to look at those that are true believers in the church. They're going to encounter phonies in the church. They're going to encounter people in the church. They're going to try to draw us away from the faith, try to draw us away from what we believe. I think, you know, as this church, as we, you know, open our doors and more people are coming in, you know, it's a good warning for us. So it's a letter of warning for the true believers that they would not be drawn away from the things of God, Uh, a warning for phonies in the church to, to look out for them. So I think it's great for us to go through this, not for us to be paranoid or anything, but for us to look at this and and realize that there will be some that'll try to take you away from the faith or pull you away and make make you to compromise and question the word of God. You know, Satan is always saying, hath God said? And you'll find those in the church. They'll say, well, does God really say that? God doesn't say that. And they'll they'll always, you know, question and, and make you question the word of God. So there's a warning here. The author of Jude is believed to be the the youngest half-brother of Jesus Christ. Jude also can be Judas, but uh, usually when we hear of Judas, we think of Judas Iscariot, so we don't like using that name too often. But but it's believed in Matthew 13.55, it speaks of Judas, which is the youngest half-brother of Jesus. Most Bible scholars believe that's who penned this, and I believe that. Um, as you notice in verse 1, he says the brother of James. And James, uh, we looked at a few weeks ago on Sunday, we were going through the book of James, the other half-brother. James was the oldest half-brother of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, James and Jude, this man right here, they became believers. And now as I look at Jude, I, I want to see the DVD of, of the encounter that he had with his half-brother Jesus. God in the flesh. Because all his life growing up, he did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, I mean, I I could just imagine tears flowing down his eyes, Jude, you know, just hugging his brother saying, I I didn't know. I, I didn't believe. I didn't know you were God in the flesh. Probably hugging him and crying on his knees, weeping and saying, now I believe. Now I believe. It's believed that Jude wrote this in 
A.D. 60 to 64. And again, it's, it's a warning. So let's dive into Jude chapter, well, only one chapter, but verse 1, the epistle of Jude. And Jude writes, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. A bondservant of Jesus Christ. No pride here. Put yourself in his shoes. And if you're writing a letter to other believers, you might, I might have a tendency to write Jude or whatever your name is, Joseph, half-brother of Jesus Christ. We might have a tendency to do that in our pride. Think, you know, let everyone know, you know, that's my half-brother there. That's, you know, I hung out with him. I spent a lot of time with him. But you don't see any pride here. He, he says in his introduction, I'm a servant. I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. I'm his servant. And to identify him, the brother of James, as we, as we mentioned before, the other half-brother, the older half-brother. But he says, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father. Sanctified could be translated, and there's some confusion with this, with the translation. Some translate the word sanctified, loved or beloved. And others just, you know, simply translate it set apart. But either one, it's okay. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It's loved, those that are loved by God the Father or those that are set apart by God the Father. Either one, it's okay with me, you know, but there's some that, you know, go back and forth and debate that. But either one, again, it's, it's, it's written to the believers, those who are loved by God, those who are set apart for God. So it's written to the, to the believers, true believers, most likely, it's circulated you know, around different churches. But notice, preserved in Jesus Christ. I like that. He's, he's saying that those that are preserved, and this is an interesting word. It means carefully watched and guarded. I like that. God carefully watches us, and he guards us. Isn't that comforting? He's watching over us. He's guarding us. I remember about 11 or 12 years ago when I was... In the water meter business, we, we traveled quite a bit, and I had a project in Florida. And I went out to one of the Calvary chapels out there in Florida, and I, I met this guy. He had a bandage. You know, his, his, his hand was all bandaged up. His thumb was all, you know, bandaged up big time and all. And, and I asked him what happened, and, and he says, well, you know, I did this at work. I cut my thumb off at work. And I was like, ow. I remember correctly, they said, well, we, you know, they tried to put it back on and all, you know, they wrapped it up. He, and uh, he says, but praise God. I said, what do you mean, praise God? He says, he says, well, I walked away from the Lord. I started doing drugs again. I started partying again. And this brought, this right here brought me back to Jesus Christ. He goes, praise God. And he said something like, I, I could have lost my whole hand. I could have lost my life. I was, you know, doing some, you know, terrible things. He goes, praise God. It brought me back to Jesus Christ. And he was like all excited. It's good to stay in that safe place with the Lord. It's good to stay in that protection. He, he carefully watches over us and he guards us. I, I look back at my life even before I knew Jesus Christ and I, I look back and I, I, I believe God's hand was protecting me even before I said a prayer because I believe God knew I was going to become a Christian. God, he knows all things. And I see, you know, looking back, the hand of God protecting me, kept me from some pretty bad things and I, I believe spared my life. I could have died a few times. 
guards over, he watches over us. I believe it's speaking more so, though, of spiritual protection than physical. A spiritual protection. He watches over us spiritually. I think if our eyes were opened up to the spiritual realm, I think we might freak out. You know, there's powers and principalities and rulers of dark, and there could be some angels standing right up here like this. You know, I don't know, but I think we, if we could see into the spiritual realm, there's angels all around us, guarding over us, protecting us, high-ranking beings. God, you know, he guards us. He watches over us. But did you notice in Jesus, you know, in him, when we're in him, we're protected in him. Makes me think of what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And he goes, and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. What a visual. And if that's not good enough, he goes on to say in the very next verse, John 10, 29, he says, my father, which gave them me is greater than all. And no one is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. That's a double protection. We're preserved. It doesn't mean we go out and do crazy things and tempt you know, the Lord and say, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to jump off the, the Empire State Building and see, you know, are you going to protect me? No, we follow him. He guides us. He directs us. He watches over us and we're in his hand. Back in our text, it says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. This is very interesting. He's saying, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning your common faith, all of a sudden he says, I found it necessary to write about something else. Did you catch that? He says, I I found it necessary to write, to exhort you about contending for your faith. So get this. He's all excited about writing about the common faith. He's, He's getting ready to write this, and he was prompted, most likely by the Holy Spirit, to write a whole different letter. There was a change. There was a prompting. And he knew by the prompting of the Holy Spirit that he had to write something different, and it had to do with a warning, contending for the faith. Somehow, someway, the Holy Spirit redirected him, and he was in tune with that. It's so important for us to be in tune when the Lord redirects us. Matter of fact, yesterday, I I went to the chapel store to buy some commentaries. I was going to teach out of 2 Kings. I I thought that's where we were going to go, and so I, you know, purchased a commentary for 2 Kings. I already have some, and, and I was working on the message, and it just wasn't coming together. It wasn't going. It wasn't flowing. It wasn't... And I was like, what is going on? What's happening? I'm like, you know, Lord, show me. And I kept thinking of Jude. And I kept going back and I'd read it. And then I'd go back to 2 Kings and we'd go back to Jude. I'm like, like, this is weird. So I kept praying. I was like, okay, Lord, do you want me to go to Jude? Is that what you want? Typically on Tuesday nights, we're in the Old Testament. And, you know, New Testament on Sunday. Didn't you get the memo of God? You know, New Testament, Sunday, Old Testament, Tuesdays. It's simple. But my heart was prompted to go back, you know, go to Jude. Then I felt, well, I need to go back to the the chapel store there at Calvary Costa Mesa. And, you know, maybe I'll just look at the commentaries and just say, maybe that'll get things going. Maybe I'll read a couple of commentaries while I'm in there. Maybe, you know, the Lord will direct me and show me and, you know, which way to go. And and I just thinking about it and I put it aside, thinking about it, put it aside, thinking about it. And it it grew stronger and stronger and stronger. Go to the, the chapel store. Go to the chapel. I was just, it was so strong. 
It was so strong. I walked in the door at the chapel store. I'm thinking, there's more to this than just going into that. You know, I, I think God's going to do something here because I feel so strongly I need to go into the chapel store. I just, I was already there earlier. So I'm thinking that as I'm walking through the door and some lady comes up to me, she goes, Pastor Joe. And I'm looking and I said, oh, hi. And she looked familiar, you know, and I'm like, she goes, don't you remember me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I remember. And I know the face. And I'm thinking inside of <laughs> She says, you taught a few weeks in New Jersey at my church. And I go, that's who you are. Of course I know who you are. (laughs) A little slow sometimes. So as we're looking at each other, I'm like, that's why I was prompted to come back into the chapel store. And I knew there was a reason why. And it was ordained by God. It was prompted by the Holy Spirit to redirect. Oh, I pray for each one of us that we would continue. I I wish I had those stories every single day. I I truly do. And I want those stories every single day. I want that every single day. Divine appointments, prompting of the Holy Spirit, redirection, led in the Spirit, in tune with the, the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit, like Jude right here getting ready to write a letter. It's already processed in his mind exactly what he was going to do and exactly what he was going to say. And the Lord says, no, no, throw your notes away. I need to say something else. Abraham, when he was redirected in Genesis chapter 22, when the Lord told him to take your son, your only son Isaac, and offer him up as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah. You know the story. Abraham obeyed. He went up to Mount Moriah. He brought his son up there and he stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. You know the story. Remember what happened? The Lord spoke to him. He called out from heaven. He said, Abraham, Abraham. And he says, here I am. And the Lord said, do not lay a hand on that lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Talk about redirection. Please get the picture. Don't lose me here. You know, His son's there. He has a knife in his hand. He's probably thinking, this is crazy, but this is God. And I know God can even raise him from the dead. And as he's going to put the knife down, the Lord says, stop. Redirection. I'm going to guide you in a different way. You pass the test. It's okay. I'm doing something different. I'm doing something new. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked behind him and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And he took the ram and he offered the ram as a burnt offering. And Abraham called out to the name of the Lord. He called the place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. And he said, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. It's so good to be flexible. Abraham could have been hard-hearted. He could have said, no, no, no. Sorry, I already know the direction. You've already told me what to do. But he stopped. And I can do that sometimes. I I know the Lord says, do this. So I'm going that way. And then when the Lord redirects me, I'm like, wait a second. No, 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 no. I'm supposed to do this. The Lord will say, no, 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 no. I'm God. I can redirect you. And I pray that we're in tune with that. I love that. Jude was redirected by the Holy Spirit to write something different. Again, in verse three, it says here, I found it necessary to write to you to contend earnestly for the faith. That word contend is an athletic word. It speaks of a wrestler on a wrestling mat, working hard, working diligently, or even the word can be translated to agonize for your faith. And when it talks about faith, it's speaking, I believe, in context, when we look at this, 
It's speaking of the essential truths of the gospel, the, the essential truths of, of our faith, to contend for that. And in context with the letter, in other words, people are going to come in the church or there's going to be people that are, are going to try to get you off track, but you need to fight to stay on track. When it comes to the essentials of Jesus Christ being the only way to God, that's essential. You, you need to fight for that. Say, no, that's the only way. The, the essentials of the deity of Jesus Christ and others try to say, well, you know, he's a God, Jesus. He's not God. He's just a, no, that's essential. He's God in the flesh. He's Emmanuel. That's essential. The virgin birth, it's essential. Repentance, essential. Even when it comes to the teaching of the word of God, it tells us in Acts 2, 42, it talks about the apostles' doctrine, and that's, this is what the early church did. You know, if someone tries to get you off of that, say, well, you don't really need to, you know, go through the word and learn the word. You know, that's not that important. No, that's essential. We need to, to stay in the word of God. The verse-by-verse teaching of the word of God, it's very essential. It's very important for our spiritual growth. Contend for that. Fellowship, breaking of the bread and prayer, those things are essential. Being saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man shall boast. That's essential. If someone tells you, oh, you got to do this, you got to knock on so many doors, and you know, that's, you got to work for heaven, and that's, that's, that's not true. You don't work for heaven. Jesus, when he died on the cross, said, it is finished. He finished the work. You are saved by grace through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift from God, lest any man shall boast. It's a gift. It's a free gift. And you will have those that will say, oh, come on, you've got to, you know, earn it. Or you've got to, no, you, no, you don't. But also contending for the faith in a, in a practical way. You know, there's things that we, that we should be doing. Sharing our faith, it's important. A good way to contend with the faith is maybe just handing out tracts. That's a practical way. Praying for those that teach the word of God. That's very important. If you're called to pray, pray for those pastors, teachers, pray for that because Satan hates the word of God going forth because the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray for those. Verse four, for certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Certain men have crept in unnoticed. Crept in unnoticed. They entered secretly. They slipped in. Again, not to be paranoid, but we have to be wise for those that would slip into the church, those that would, you know, try to get us off track, those that have a new doctrine, new teaching. Oh, you don't, you need to, you know, we can do it a different way. We've got a different way of doing things and uh, we don't need to do it this way. We have to do, you know, we got to be careful. Many years ago, I was ministering with someone. I just had a, a bad feeling about it, you know, just there's something just wasn't right. But as time went on, you know, he, said, he seemed like a real neat guy. Everything was, was like, well, he's fine. Well, it wasn't long after that, he was arrested and he was put in jail for something he did that was terrible. And God does give us discernment, but we have to, we have to be careful because it could be bad pizza or something, you know? We're like a bad feeling about someone. And it's like, you know, you just ate something and your stomach hurts, you know? And it's like, oh, I knew this guy was a crook, you know? So we, we, we need to be careful. We need to discern. We need to, to know what the Lord is saying. It needs to be confirmed. 
But when it comes to doctrinal truths, when it comes to essentials, those things are what we look for. We have to stand on those things. And if anyone is in the church trying to, 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 to make us you know, go in a different direction other than what we have in the word of God, then that's important. And it's just a warning. Who turn the grace of our God into lewdness, perverseness. The thought here is that they, they practice sin without shame. You know, they, they say, oh, you know, saved by grace, man. Saved by grace. It's grace. God saved me. I'm forgiven. And, and they, they live a life that's, you know, they practice sin and they, they use the covering of grace. That's not what grace is all about. And there's people like that. Years ago, my wife and I would go to this restaurant near our home and we got to know the people there. We were able to share with some of the, the workers there. We, we prayed with one or two to receive the Lord. One even came over. She was baptized in our pool and she brought her son and then her son prayed to receive Christ. And it was just like, what a ministry. We were blown away. He was, the, the son was Muslim and he, his dad's Muslim and he accepted Christ on fire for Jesus. And it was just, what a ministry when we lived at our other house. We got to know the people pretty well over there. And, and one of them, you know, came up to us once and says, well, we notice you don't drink. And I said, no, we, we don't drink. And then the guy says, well, there's a group from another church that comes in here all the time. And he says, they're always getting drunk. And I said, really? And he says, yeah, they you know, they ordered like all kinds of alcohol and they're, they're always getting blasted. And he says, I just wanted to know, is that typical of Christians? Are they supposed to get blasted? Is that, is that Okay. And that was tough, you know? It's like, no, you're not supposed to get blasted. You're not supposed to get drunk, no. And I believe, you know, that could fall into that category. Just say, well, we're saved by grace. We can get drunk. And, you know, that's not a good witness, though, if you're, you're getting blasted all the time, and that's your witness. But in context here, they, they creep into the church, and they compromise is okay. The Lord, help us to, to be holy and pure. Again, Jesus said, I'm holy, be holy. He makes us holy. He makes us pure. He, he sanctifies us. He sets us apart. And we're to encourage each other in the things of the Lord, encourage each other in, in the word. So just the, the warning. And then verse five, it says, but I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Talking about the children of Israel in Egypt, when they were Kadesh Barnea. They, Moses, remember Moses sent out the 12 spies? Ten of them gave a bad report. Two gave a good report. Joshua and Caleb gave a good report. And then remember the children of Israel took the advice of the 10 spies and they refused to go into the promised land. They didn't believe. They didn't believe that God could defeat the, the giants. They were afraid of the giants. They said, remember, they said, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Yeah, the land's flowing with milk and honey. The the, the grapes are like basketballs. I mean, it's beautiful over there, but we can't take them. They're too big for us. And it was unbelief. And they died in the wilderness. And interesting, why would that be here? But he's saying, I want to remind you, and, and I believe because those that will creep in or will try to attack our faith. And believe me, each one of us will have an attack on our faith. If you've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, you'll notice the enemy will try his best to attack your faith, and there will be a testing of your faith. Well, if God is good, why would he take three of your babies? If God is good, why did he allow you to get pregnant in the first place? Just the attacks of the enemy to test us in our faith. Well, I can stand here and say, God is good. 
and God allowed it. And I don't know all the ins and outs, but I know by faith, I know that I can trust my Lord, that he knows exactly what he's doing. And we have three babies in heaven waiting for us. And to God be the glory, great things he's done. And the best verse, I've shared this before, that's helped is a verse that says, now we see in a mere dimly. And then face to face, we're not going to understand everything, but by faith we need to trust that God is good and He knows what He's doing. As we come to your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like a copy of this message, need prayer, or wish to contact us, please call 562-592-1800. You can check out our website at ccoth.com. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. As we come to your throne of mercy, it's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing praise.